When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Good to have you in on a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt. And uh, the rum connoisseur is back for 2021. We welcome in Damon Barr. You can find us and follow us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt at Damon Barr. That's two R's for Mr. Damon. Good to be with you. Mitch Sherman, 15 minutes away. Nice story on JoJo Doman's return. Talk some big red football with Mitch. Hour two, Bill Bender, Sporting News. As we uh, glean towards this Ohio State-Bama showdown, some NFL takeaways from Bill Bender. It's been a while since we talked with Bill, so good to run him down. And then uh, most of hour two, uh, we'll chat with Coach Rick Kaczynski. We'll get into some of his thoughts on just kind of the climate in college football right now for head coaches, for players, and uh, you've got the coaching carousel that is well, pretty much stopped right now with the, the major changes happening with Auburn and Texas. But even in the NFL, you hear two, two, two college names that are talked about for some of these NFL openings. And, uh, you know, is the right time now for some of these guys to, to make a move? And Coming up Thursday, I'm excited to spend time with Jim Walden, longtime Iowa State coach and former Washington State coach, guy on Devaney's staff, old, old uh, Uncle Jimbo. And, and his his takeaway on things, you know, we've heard a lot about Matt Campbell, the money he makes and the heights he's taken Iowa State to. And is 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 Matt Campbell a guy that, that got, got out of the Mac for the Big 12? Well, yes, you want to make that jump from a group of five to a power five. But is, is the grass always greener for a more glamorous job? And clearly not for Tom Herman. If you get bolted and booted after four years, is he kind of a a, a, a goon? It depends on who you ask about, about Coach Herman. But the point is, is you have expectations. And that's where I want to go a little bit here to start Tuesday off. Can join us, dial us up, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Those are the numbers to get in. You have the Twitter handles at Schmidt underscore radio at Damon Barr with two R's. Email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. It's, it, it really probably kind of comes down to ego, to income, and just uh, being able to to survive and and thrive with your recruiting this year is is so whacked out with a lot of different things. It's whacked out with COVID. 
and the stops and the starts specifically in the Big Ten, but just all around. We'll get to some news and notes on Ohio State and their COVID issues as uh, there was talk a little bit earlier in the day of do you move back the the, the, the playoff championship uh, that uh, was a week from yesterday. It's, it's Monday night because uh, you had some Ohio State COVID issues, and that, that is not going to happen. But with, with COVID here, with this transfer portal, and you've got a climate right now of if kids don't like something, they are going to move on to a, a better situation and they're quicker to make the reset button push, right? Uh, it's funny. Over the weekend, we were playing some Nintendo. My wife got some sort of a Nintendo setup that has old school games. And when I'm talking old school, I'm talking the original Mario Brothers no Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, but it's called Punch-Out, Tecmo Bowl, the old throwback for those of us 40 and up that we played on Nintendo. Not not Nintendo 64, not Super Nintendo, but the original Nintendo where you had RBI baseball and 10-yard fight and baseball stars and all of that stuff. And, and Junior's like, well, this kind of sucks. The graphics are brutal. Just enjoy it, all right? Go step on the mushroom if you're Mario or Luigi and, and go try and save the princess. Uh, I, I go to the, the video game card because it's just a generational thing, right? That's kind of throwback, heyday, it was cool. And yes, I got pissed and I hit the reset button, but it was just a game. This is a college career and kids are moving on. And you've got a supply and demand problem with the number of kids in the transfer portal versus number of actual spots if you're really good yes come on down but it's not always going to be bigger and better and it's it's now not that uncommon to have somebody that's transferred three times in their career end up somewhere so that, that's a battle coaches are bat are, are, are really fighting i mean it, it's a it's a forest fire for college football and basketball programs it, it's a norm now and how do you how do you deal with roster management and development and who's going to be here and who's not and who got their feelings hurt and who can take hard coaching? Uh, do you know the kids well enough to know what personality they have and how you get the best out of them? All of those things while you're on top of things trying to recruit without official visits. So that all leads us in this winding road to year four of Scott Frost and expectations. And the question is, can he and, and will he achieve a winning season and and yes is my answer can he can nebraska football achieve a winning season yes does that help with jojo doman absolutely does that help with cam taylor Britt? for sure uh if you get uh, a yes i'm back from a honus and a stilly i'm really liking the defense uh, even more with your two best defenders already saying yes i'm in yes i'm back it all comes down to special teams and the offensive side of the football when it comes to Nebraska and a winning season. Can Nebraska have a winning season in 2021? Yes. Will they? I don't know. I'm not betting on it right now as I sit. And more of that is because of the schedule. But I also uh, can go to this column and say, well, look at the experience. What I'm seeing, what's back, what isn't known at the running back spot or the wide receiver position aside from Wandale is troubling. Do you have a quarterback that's gotten three years of starts? Yes, who's looked really good and dynamic and the best dude on the field at times. Yes, and Adrian, but you also have a boatload of turnovers. 
And that's not just an Adrian thing. That's a Nebraska quarterback thing. Can you get pretty much turnover-free football from your quarterback? That's not realistic in college. But can you get good to better than good uh, ball security from your quarterback? I don't think that's a bad ask if you're Nebraska or any quarterback uh, coach out there. So uh, I think Nebraska has a lot of work to do. I think they've got an identity to go search out and find. We'll spend more time on that with Mitch Sherman. Can you figure out what you want to be, right? And what you can be really good at is a program that has a good offensive line, that runs the football, that runs your quarterback, and can throw it to some tight ends and take some shots downfield off of play action. That's how you're going to win in the Big Ten, right? Numbers that was out there. And while I know the Big Ten West has not won a uh, Big Ten championship, right? I know that Northwestern's represented two out of the last three years. It's usually Wisconsin. Iowa's been in there, right? Uh, you had Minnesota knocking on that door to finish 11-2 and two a season ago. But in seven years, the Big Ten East isn't curb stomping the Big Ten you know, Big Ten West. It's 66 to 60 when it comes to crossover games. Scott Docterman put this tweet out. Now, Ohio State is 15 and 2 against the West. Damon Barr, who are the two West teams Ohio State lost to? Uh is one of them us? I, I don't think. No. No. I, yeah. <laughs> Take I, another like, drink. Is this, is this a trick question? No, Maybe it's I not. No, like... <laughs> I mean in in part of it is is it was shocking, but it happened in back-to-back years. Purdue. Yes. The Wandale uh, or Rondale Moore game where ABC was there and Nebraska played Ohio State the week after the Purdue loss by Ohio State and Nebraska almost got them back-to-back. They would have burned Columbus down if Urban would have lost back-to-back games to Big Ten West teams, for the love of God. Iowa the year before, remember when they got boat race, kept oh, them out yeah, of the playoff, yeah. 56 points hung up by Captain Kirk and company. So Ohio State's 15-2 and two with losses to Iowa and Purdue. Uh, otherwise, the West leads. You take Ohio State out of the equation, 58-51, the West has had more victories over the East. But you factor in the big dog, there's your difference. The East has won all seven title games. Five of those won by Ohio State. The other two, Michigan State. Uh, got it done. Actually, Wisconsin before it switched from legends and leaders. We won't get into the 2012 championship game. But but right now, I mean, things are, are, are pretty, pretty competitive between the East and the West. But you got everybody chasing Ohio State. Uh, with Nebraska and expectations, I, I mean, it, it's, it's a stressor. The, the fan base is adamant that Things need to get turned around. The coaches, the players. I mean, everybody's kind of on the same page with with expectations and uh, achieving that winning season. But what you what you you haven't seen just clean football yet. You haven't seen complementary football yet. And you know, Nebraska needs to be able to be a team where Coach Chenander's defense comes out, gets a stop gets really good field position for the offense. The offense needs to take over the possession, drive the field, not turn it over, go score. <laughs> play play less stressful football. 
That's a concept. Get better at your return game. Get better at punting. When it comes to a kickoff and punt return, kick that bastard out of the end zone. Just don't make it so hard on yourself. So that's something that we're always going to track here as we look into January and move forward. You know, can and will Nebraska take that next step uh, with a winning season? And a lot of it's climate. I, I mentioned, you know, if you're a college coach, are you are, are is your eye wondering? If you're Matt Campbell, you know, they're going to build a statue of you because you went nine and three. And if you're Matt Campbell, three and a half million dollars goes a long way in Ames, Iowa. You don't need to jump to Texas. You don't need to jump to Auburn because you're happy. Theoretically, you're a Midwest guy and you're happy. Do you take a gig at Michigan if, if they knock on the door and can afford your buyout at Iowa State? Because Michigan thinks they're a championship program. Michigan's not won a Big Ten or a conference title since 2004. Michigan's not won a national championship since 1997, air quote, on that national championship. It's a split. Michigan, before that, they were winning 10 games a year. And then now everybody's jumping up to, well, if you're not winning and you're not winning quick enough, it's time to hit reset. Nebraska's done that. Tennessee's done that. And you are looking at a program uh, like Texas that has done that. All these programs that have hit reset and made the coaching change in this vicious cycle every four or five years are the ones where they're still not happy, they're still not satisfied, and nine or ten wins, uh, would you would kill for it right now, and it's it's what you've you've had a couple of different times if you're in Nebraska's shoes. So uh, I'm looking at guys like Lincoln Riley. I'm looking at guys like Ryan Day. I'm looking at guys like Urban Meyer, and and Jim Harbaugh. And Harbaugh did really well in the NFL. Is it worth it? Is it worth putting up with recruiting? Is it worth putting up with eighteen to twenty two year olds? Just from a stress factor, you love it. You want to teach. You do care about the kids. But eventually, this transfer portal, this walking on eggshells, this drama that's associated with the college level compared to the professional NFL level, I think you're going to see more and more guys eventually, they'll win one and then get on out the door because it's just less of a headache. That's where I'm at, and it'll be interesting to see if if two longtime college guys, Harbaugh came back to college, Urban Meyer's only been college, if they make a jump. The next two to keep an eye on, uh, Ryan Day, how long, if he, especially if he gets a national championship at Ohio State, how long does he keep doing it where he's at versus putting his toe in the water uh, if you're Coach Campbell, is that your next move? Does, is Pat Fitzgerald a guy that's been forever with with Northwestern? Does he look to the NFL? And, of course, Urban Meyer, does does he scratch that itch to get back into coaching and, and, and take that leap? Saban's a college guy, wants to control. That's the other side of this rub. Uh, going from college to the NFL, you're a dude who wants control over everything and anything. And it's it's not necessarily that way. You're not even necessarily making the draft picks. You're just left to coach them. It's it's interesting here. So we'll get into some of those topics today. We'll hear from Mitch Sherman. No Nebraska basketball tonight. Obviously, the news of uh, both teams postponing action tonight. Nebraska was supposed to hook up with Purdue. That is not happening. Nebraska's next scheduled game is going to be 
Sunday, uh, we hope, we think, against Indiana. And uh, when it comes to COVID right now, Pete Thamel from Yahoo, as of right now, Ohio State planning on playing the title game is scheduled January 11th. All systems that go for that. There's been COVID issues at Ohio State, but not enough to postpone the game. Uh, It's COVID times. Things can change. You want a full-strength slate for the championship game for both teams. That's my take. Uh, You have Nick Saban's daughter weighing in about how (laughs) Ohio State's afraid of Bama and using COVID as an excuse. So I don't know if if little Nick's little princess is going to get reprimanded. If if Nick is no match for her, if she heard it over dinner and is just repeating it, I don't know. But that's that's Nick Saban's daughter's take. Ohio State's afraid they're using COVID as an excuse. Mitch Sherman's next. And we're back, fellas. I think we could. Listen to the radio listen. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We want you to check out the podcast uh, daily. It's uploaded. Also, the on-demand, ESPNLincoln.com. Go to the website and pick out the interviews you want to hear. <laughs> so... We are working on Mitch Sherman. We can do that, can't we? Can we, can we move Mitch Sherman to... We, we, we can move Mitch to, to 5 o'clock and maybe move Bill Bender up to 440. Maybe, kind of, sort of. Yeah, get creative with that. I'll do some magic. Okay, yeah, all right. Uh, let us just do this on the air. Well, Mitch, how does 505 look? This is interesting. Sorry, this is horrific radio. Forgive me. What we do have is Coach Kaczynski coming up at 525. Kaz is with us uh, from 525 to to 6. We were going to run the... uh, conversation we did have with bill bender we'll figure things out we'll 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 make it work and so mitch is doing his podcast with the athletic good stuff from mitch sherman uh we'll dump, we'll jump into some some ryan day in in just a moment but i was talking about the podcast you can get the podcast hail varsity we want you to listen we want you to subscribe we want you to rate itunes spotify and of course uh, google play it's also available not only hailvarsity.com but on the uh, tremendous uh, podcast network from her dad, which gives you shit, which gives you Shick and Nick, that gives you the Nick Bob podcast, that gives you Greg Smith and uh, Brandon Vogel and and uh, Jay Foreman and Derek Peterson, the Varsity podcast, Aaron Sorensen and Sasha. So incredible work there. So let's jump into some Ryan Day. Uh, the rundown is uh, as such, not a lot. New there from Ryan Day. We'll hear about Nick Saban's little girl. We kind of teased that a moment ago. But let's uh, dive in. And, you know, Ryan Day, very thankful that Monday is is just in front of him. Our guys fought so hard to have this opportunity, and now we're here. Unbelievable uh, opportunity to play. Um, you know, a great program. So much respect for Coach Saban and his his staff and the players and, and their tra- you know, tradition of winning there. So, 
um, you know, really looking forward to a great week of preparation as we work our way down to Miami. So, you know, I know Ohio State will prep. What's their prep going to be like if they're missing guys due to COVID? What's the prep going to be like if they're missing offensive linemen? That defense played absolutely out of their mind. That front seven, incredible. It's going to be a nightmare, especially if Waddle is back uh, with uh, with Smith and, and Waddle. If you have that one-two punch on top of the tight end, that's a beast. On top of Najee Harris, that's a beast. And that offensive line. I was talking to, to uh, old Jack Pierce the other day, and Jack's one of my favorites. And, and Jack's been around coaching a long time, and he had the best line I've heard about Alabama. And he's like, the Alabama offensive line, they don't stop blocking you when the whistle blows. They don't stop blocking you until the defensive lineman screams. That's just how <laughs> brutally physical they are and how good they are. Uh, we'll have to get a, a, an up-to-date line from our friend Danny Burke. More from Ryan Day. And it's good that Justin Fields is good to go. We are going to reschedule Mitch Sherman for tomorrow at 525. We'll keep Bill Bender at 5. Sorry, we are doing laundry out in front of everybody, and my boxers look phenomenal. Uh, Ryan uh, Ryan Day on Fields, and Fields being able to get some time between that monster shot he took from Clemson and getting back onto the field and getting geared up for practice. He's healthy, which is good. You know, Justin's such a competitive guy. Um, you know, he, he wasn't going to come off the field, and that's just the way he's wired. Um, you're going to have to pull him off the field. And, um, you know, it was pretty, pretty amazing performance. And, um, you know, it was good the next day. He actually, you know, his comment to me was, that he, you know, he, he felt better waking up in the morning than he expected. So, um, you know, we'll keep working through the week and, um, you know, have a great week of preparation, get ready to play uh, on Monday night. So is he going to play Coach Day, yes or no? Uh, yeah, I definitely expect him to play. But, yeah, we don't get into specifics on injuries. You know, we give our availability report at the end of the week, and that's always been our policy. Well, thank you. So the receivers, Alave, nice. Wilson, nice. But I think Ryan might be talking about Bama's receiving core. The emergence of seven-on-seven um, has increased the uh, skill level of a lot of receivers and quarterbacks. And, you know, they get the ball in the perimeter a lot faster than maybe they did 10 or 20 years ago, uh, spreading the field horizontally and vertically. And we're always looking, you know, for ways to create explosives and, the easiest way to create an explosive is to throw the football. Um, you know, and so when you have that combination of run and pass, it, it really helps. I'll say this, and the one team this year who held, done a lot of air quotes today, held Alabama down was Arkansas. Arkansas got murdered 52-3, to and it was 35-3 to at half. But Alabama did not eclipse 500 yards total offense. What'd they do? They, they made Alabama drive the field and eliminated the big play. Didn't always work. But what they wanted to do was just, all right, we're going to just drop eight and you're going to check it down. 
and you're going to have to be perfect and drive the field. Bama's like, okay, we'll do it. We'll run Najee a little bit and be all good, but a lot of checkdowns to, to Harris that day because there was nothing open downfield. Ohio State was able to get pressure on Clemson. Damon, get, get in here. Let me ask you this. Was, was there a little bit of fool's gold with Clemson? And, you know, Clemson's message board crew, the fans are out. I mean, Dabo's gotten rolled in back-to-back playoff games. They got smoked by LSU. They got rocked by uh, Ohio State. He's also won two championships in four years, right? So Dabo's done some really nice things, and, and Clemson looked really good. They're, they're just not as good as they've been defensively. They lost a lot of cats last year, and I think of Simmons, man, the uh, the Kansas City product that's that hybrid guy killing it for Arizona, and they just don't have as many or they weren't able to reload. That's just that's just what it is on top of COVID uh, being uh, making 2020 freaky is, is all get out. So... A, I, I can kind of believe, but just careful what venom you're spewing against Dabo. And, you know, has he lost his touch? No, teams have just gotten really good. And you were fortunate to beat Clemson, or I should say Ohio State, last year. And LSU is all-time great with their coordinator, their talent, their quarterback. So there's there's the expectations of of – Clemson and championship football, and then they've fallen short. I I don't know that Alabama's a a team you can you can. They've been vulnerable, but I think they're ready for it this year. I was going to ask you, Damon. You tell me. I mean, is Clemson a bit of fool's gold this year? Yes, they're top for good, but it seems like there's more of a gap this year with them, and, and that got found out by Ohio State. Well, yeah, watching that game, it, it felt like Clemson was not on that same level as Ohio State and Alabama would be. Their, their two toughest games were both against Notre Dame this year, pretty much, and they split those. It, it's kind of been, yeah, that, that rough year for them. I expect them to get back to you know that number one team all season long like they, they look, but this year, yeah, I didn't really see the – the full the full Dabo spark that's been there the past couple of years. Well, and I, I just wonder if Dabo's going to pipe down or if he's going to con- continue to tell it like it is. Uh, some more final thoughts here from Ryan Day. You can join us, 466-377-6800-8255-865. If you're a college coach, would you, and had the opportunity, would you would you look seriously at the NFL? Just because it's maybe less of a headache now to be a a pro coach versus a college coach. When I talk about transfers, when I talk about COVID, when I talk about expectations, I don't know how big of a a jump. I mean, yeah, Urban wants $12 million to go to the NFL and he's never coached a down there. That's excessive. But the the hands-on, control-freak aspect that you need to have as a college coach that's not always within your grasp as an NFL coach. So are you willing to trade off for a little bit less of a headache, theoretically? And typically you'll have more maturity, although the the Antonio Browns of the world or the Dazzes of the world or your diva receivers of the world don't always make it easy. Uh, last thought here from, from Ryan Day with uh, Bama 
and uh, Ohio State, the, the, the talent level, pretty elite on both sides. Both of us have really explosive receivers. Both of, both of us have really good running games. And so because you can run the football, you know, just do the math on it, somebody extra is going to be in the box, which opens up things down the field. If you don't have that ability to run the ball, you know, that extra guy is now deep and it's, it's too high shell and it's not as explosive. So I think it all goes hand in hand. Uh, but to go back to your original point, I do think, you know, that receivers in the last five to 10 years, they're one of the best in the country. They're really, really good. They have just put dudes into the league. Uh, Rugs. Uh, you've got, and don't forget, Devontae is is the dude who caught the the game winner from Tua as a freshman. But Alabama's had the market cornered on elite wideouts. They are difference-making. We'll spend some time on the NFL, and they just kind of reload. They develop. That's the that's the one-two punch that, that Bama has, that Ohio State has, that Clemson has had, that Notre Dame's been really good with. They have the ability to get top-tier talent, top-level competition, good depth, and then they develop on top of an already insanely high level of NFL player, potential NFL player. They, they know a guy, when they see a guy, they can get to the league. But they get the work and the seasoning and the development at such an elite level, and that makes it why the college football playoff has been pretty common with an Ohio State or for sure a Clemson, absolutely an Alabama. That's just where they're at. Some more thoughts uh, with the NFL. We'll get uh, into some college football. Some big red topics to dive into. You can join us today. Hail Varsity Radio, 466-377-800-825-5865. Email chris at hailvarsity.com. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Well, this is not good if you're Bill O'Brien. Former Texans head coach is maybe who Nick Saban taps to replace Sark. But this is from inside the NFL on Showtime. Ugh. And it's J.J. Watt and Deshaun Watson after Sunday's season finale. They're walking off the field together. And J.J.'s like, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We, we wasted one of your years. I'm going to send this to you, Damon. Preview it for content. Watson's like, brother, we should have won 11 games. And you've got all of... Texans nation losing their mind. I liked Bill O'Brien. I loved Bill O'Brien at Penn State. And I know he's gone to the playoffs a couple of times before Houston said, get out and quit making decisions. You've got the Hopkins trade. You've got the Clowney situation. I mean, he, he's not a, not a favorite of the players. But man, this is really damning. And uh, you'll need that, that Coach Saban rehab. So my question is this, and we'll, we'll get that audio in a moment. <laughs> I, I, I just don't know if Bill O'Brien, as good as he was, didn't last in New England. 
took the took the Penn State job because my lasting image of Bill O'Brien is him and Tom Brady screaming at each screaming at each other on the sideline. Here's this audio I'm talking about. This is from inside the NFL. Job, we're, we're good. I'm sorry. From language, okay. You wasted one of your years. I'm sorry. That's nuts. <laughs> we wasted one of your years. So, Old Miss is going to lose their special teams coordinator, Blake Gideon. He's going to go to Texas, joining Sark. Uh, football scoop reporting that I, I just I'd be interested to see what happens with Harbaugh if he goes off to the NFL goes back to the NFL uh, or maybe he's a better fit there than that. back to expectations we started the show off with this you know as a Nebraska fan I don't know that your expectations will ever get to well let's let's just get a a winning season. I don't think they're going to be that bar is going to be lowered ever to that. But I think there's been a whole heap and dose of reality where you look at next year's schedule and you go, okay, you open up with Brett Bielema and Illinois kind of kicked your ass, at least physically, if you're Nebraska, two of the last three years. Toss up, dare I say that? Buffalo and Lance Leopold comes in here. Hell of a coach. Great coach. Not easy. You've already lost to, to group of five teams with this staff and previous staff. You shouldn't, but maybe you do. I don't know. Then you go to Norman. Ugh. And then you go to Michigan State. Then you got Ohio State. Then you got Michigan. Then you're Wisconsin on the road. You got Iowa at home. It's brutal. No excuse. Got to man up and go win. Where are you going to be at offensively and special teams-wise is is the billion-dollar question if you're Nebraska. So, I don't know. I don't know optimism-wise if, if, you're, if you're there to, to get it at 500 next year. And, and you're kind of demanding that, but I also think – I don't know, Damon. You tell me, man. You think kids, kids, you think students, guys you run with, you've grown up seeing a certain Nebraska football, maybe nine or 10 wins has been the ceiling. Maybe there's been some, some embarrassing losses, but there's also been some taken for granted wins that, that you can't take for granted anymore in the big 10 expectation wise. I mean, it's fair to say, dude, if they get six and six, seven and five next year, that's, that's huge. That is huge. But I just don't know what the faith level's like in the offense being better. It should be. I think there's some real doubt it, it will be. It absolutely can be. They've got the talent and they've got the coaching to be able to do it. It just kind of comes down to some decision-making with, again, that search of identity. Well, I, I tell you, the morale, it, it's low. It's uh, it's anxious watching the games. Uh, there's no confidence, are, really. Are you, are you t- I mean, is there still, like, there's a there's a nev- high level of being pissed. Yes, because uh, there's there is that. And listen, I grew up going to Nebraska games just like the rest of you. And there's that entitlement aspect that I think it's gone for me. No longer does Nebraska just show and go. 
And I've learned this over covering the team for as many years as I have, where it's just continued to kind of go downhill with, yeah, Nebraska should win, but I don't know. That's a reality now. Those those tough losses, I, I sit on the couch when I'm at home and my roommate just says, well, what did you expect at this point? Why'd you get your hopes up? Stuff like that. And I so guess you've got the negative. Still, so you've got the negative roommate. I, I do, I do. He he's given up. He's completely given up, which is fine. Like for the season or for <laughs> for like the program. Uh, the, the, it was pretty much the season. You know, we'd have those glimmers of hope, and then we'd lose the game in our own special way. And he'd be like, "You should have seen this coming." And I, I'm like, "Yeah, you're right. I should have." But uh, I, I definitely did take those those preseason wins for granted when I was a kid. Those were shoe in four wins right off the bat and those have gone away and it's kind of weird it's just what i expected growing up and now it's like i don't know what to to hold on to when the season starts well and and you you still have the fan base that feels something for the program feels something for the potential of the program but the, the confidence has been eroded and it, it can come back. I mean, it, it it can come back. You can get a lot of things cleaned up. But just how sloppy they were or how inconsistent they've been with forging an identity. Again, you've got time to re- refresh. I, I, I say the word reset again. You have a chance to recharge. You have a, a chance to, to go do the old look in the mirror. And really take a look at what worked, what you have, and what you can do. It's, it's it's easier said than done, but it's not you're not starting over. You you there were things that you had success with. You got some listen, man, you've recruited really well. I mean, you've got some talent in the room. You've got some talent on the lines of scrimmage. You've got guys believing enough to come back from going to the NFL or saying, hey, thanks, peace out, I had a good five years here. They want a, they want a sixth year, at least on one side of the football defensively. So that's positive. You need some translation and transition offensively where figure out what you want to do with your quarterback, figure out what you want to do with your offensive line. Because, listen, man, I, I, I think – Corcoran is a guy that can be really good for a lot of years and beyond. You got some experience with Ben Hart and Piper. You get Jurgens either moved or fixed at center. And and then you got a guy who's played a lot of snaps in Hickson or some other options on the offensive line. So you can lean on that line. It it needs to be better. And I think you've got the, the coaching and the talent down there to lean on it. We'll wind down hour one next. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Who takes home the Heisman tonight? We'll chat about it with Bill Bender. That is, yeah, slap yourself in the face. It is Heisman night, so I hope the Heisman ceremony will be over by the time I take to pregame here locally for Southeast and North Star. Excited to do some high school basketball tonight. Coach Jeff Smith back with me. So the uh, Hall of Fame coach will be doing color, and we'll uh, check in. North Star's uh, ranked, I think, uh, 10th, and I think Southeast is ranked 8th. I might have those two mixed and matched, but uh, two really good programs. Excited to see it. And uh, you'll have pregame around 720 here locally, ESPN Lincoln. Of course, uh, Columbus, our friends up at News Talk 900, 
uh, do a great job of area coverage with high school sports and uh, Doug Duda and crew out on uh, in central Nebraska, the Superstation, 1460, 1550. Uh, they, they are incredible at what they do as well. So support your local high school athletes uh, and give the game a listen. Reminder about buckling up. Nearly 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska are not wearing their seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash, buckling up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So, Jacksonville has the number one pick overall. They still have yet to figure out what do, what they're doing and who they're doing it with, with for a head coach. But if you had to pick the four Heisman finalist tonight with your number one pick who are you going with are you are you more kind of leaning towards trask you like mac jones you Devonte smith or are you going trevor lawrence and it ain't even a conversation and and listen i know going number one overall at wide receivers not great with the top pick overall i think you got Keyshawn johnson and irving fryer your your two guys that are your number one picks overall in the NFL draft at wide receiver. Uh, Irving Fryer had a great career, 16 seasons in the NFL. Keyshawn Johnson won Super Bowl and and was good. I mean, both made Pro Bowls, but it wasn't like they were Jerry Rice uh, based on where they were picked. It's not a knock. I, I, I like Devontae Smith, man. I'm just kind of wowed. I, I'm wowed by his acceleration, his speed. And I think guys like that, especially if you work him in the slot, can can do a lot. Now he can play outside as well. Uh, as much as I love Smith, though, uh, is Trevor Lawrence really that can't miss? Is he going to be as good early as a guy like Herbert? Herbert's got a lot around him. But, man, he came in ready to go. Uh, Tua. There's some talk down at South Beach that, that maybe the, the Dolphins will use the third pick overall on a quarterback. And I I think it's too soon because I don't I don't dislike Tua. I like Fitzmagic a lot, and they just kind of threw Tua Tua in there. He's uh he's really talented and everyone's in search of that next Mahomes. Clearly, but everyone's like, what the hell's Kansas City doing? Well, Andy Reid knew. <laughs> Eric B. Enemy knew. And Mahomes is perfect with that complement of pieces he has. So I don't know, something to mull over. Trask, Jones, Smith, Lawrence, or Pass with the number one pick overall. If you got to take your Heisman finalist, who are you going with with the number one pick overall? I guess I'd, I'd cave to convenience and say, hey, give me Trevor. Got to go with Lawrence. Although Max, Max a really good ball player. Bill Bender, Sporting News, next. Rick Kaczynski in Hour 2 at Hale Varsity Radio. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. 
Back with you in Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. A lot of NFL and college football to talk. Bill Bender, the Sporting News, back with us. And can follow Bill on Twitter. Do so at BillBender92. Bill, tonight's the night for the Heisman uh, revelation. Uh, pretty interesting race, uh, isn't it, with the quarterback situation and, uh, of course, Devontae doing his thing. How have you been, man, and, and how would you kind of sift through the college football season? Well, you know, I'm just glad we're here. I'm glad we're in a spot where we got to the Heisman, where we got to a championship game between two classic, ridiculous, talented rosters. <laughs> and uh, it's going to be fun, man. I look, I'm really looking forward to this game. Uh, tonight, we'll see. I mean, everybody did their ballots. I think Devontae Smith's got a really good chance to win it. But on that note, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Mac Jones. We'll just see how the votes turned out. You know, Mac uh, is uber talented. And you look at just the, the line of quarterbacks that's been in Alabama. You look at the wideouts playing on Sundays that have come from Alabama. That's been uh, really impressive. When you look at Trevor Lawrence, let's go back to, to January 1st. And what were you expecting with uh, the Clemson-Ohio State showdown. And and were you surprised, not that Ohio State maybe won, but but how they did it. They looked uh, as incredible as ever in taking down Clemson. And then uh, on a side note, uh, you know, does this uh, put a little bit less of a high volume on Dabo Sweeney moving forward? Well, a couple things there. I think, as Dabo said afterward, much was made about the pool, but... High State controlled the line of scrimmage with uh, that offensive line and Trey Sermon, and that's kind of spin it forward to next game. I mean, that'll be the key. Who runs the ball? Because it'll everything else, they're going to make plays in the passing game. Both teams will. But who can control that clock just a little bit with the running game? Um, Fields was phenomenal, especially after the hit you know, from Zagalski. He throws four touchdowns after. Really shows how, how much of a player he is, and this is something I just typed in that people need to know. I mean, if it's not an Auburn quarterback, these are the last three guys to beat Alabama. Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson, and Joe Burrow. So Fields will have to be at that level for them to beat Alabama. And, you know, based on what he showed on January 1st, that, that's certainly possible. Fields is so good, so athletic, so big, and and his ability to scramble and be a compliment to the run game was was so nice and I'd expect that going forward with Sermon and and what he gave and the the rhythm that Ohio State offensive line is in it it made things even more explosive with a great receiving core right with the play action and I mean it'd been a long time Bill since I'd seen anyone get after that Clemson secondary like like Ohio State did I know there's some some names and a lot of talent, and that's where Coach Saban hangs his hat is is in the secondary. But uh, you know, when we talk about that matchup, aside from the lines of scrimmage, which you're right on about, uh, is that maybe an advantage for 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 Ohio State, the receiving core against uh, the Alabama secondary, or is that about a draw in your eyes? I'm glad you brought that up because I think one of the things that, that was revealed was I thought Clemson's secondary was a little bit better than that. And, and I know they missed Nolan Turner in the first half, but it didn't matter in the second half. So, and not having Skowski may have made a difference too, but still, they, they got torched. Um, Alabama has been susceptible on the back end a little bit against high-powered teams. That will be looked at. Um, 
Patrick Sertain is very good. Their defense shaped up in the second half of the season. And they're almost to the point now where, oh, yeah, they're like, okay, well, yeah, you guys can score 30. We'll just score 50. And <laughs> that's what makes it so interesting is Alabama's really kind of changed their philosophy a little bit. And I, Saban denied this yesterday, but I can't help but think there's something to it. I really believe that that Fiesta or that Sugar Bowl between Ohio State and Alabama in 14 is largely responsible for that change. Because you go back to that game, they had to score to win. They did, and and that's not the case in a lot of instances where it's it's been a shootout. Nick Saban's the guy that, that makes a tweak where he goes from you know the, the game manager type quarterback to go get yourself a Jalen Hurts or a Tua or somebody that's that's mobile in the pocket, right? Because of who he got beat by, and that's the Johnny Footballs and the Cam Newtons of the world, or the Joe Burrows guys that can extend plays with their legs. So Nick's going twelve and one at, at worst and making a change, <laughs> making a change with his quarterback. But he's always he's always evolving somehow, some way, and and he's always had this uh, next man up uh, at, at coordinator. Uh, you know, Kiffin comes and does uh, the the coaching rehab. Let's go get Sark. Sark has been incredible, and and now he's off to Texas, which we'll get to in a minute. But, I mean, Saban just – and he gets rated. I mean, was it two years ago that most of his staff departed? You had guys like Loxley and company take over at Maryland. He's always a step or two ahead, and he realized that the shift is coming, Bill, didn't he? where you're going to have to – there's about two or three games a year in the SEC or beyond where you're going to have to outscore people. It's that way in college football now. That's changed. The game's changed, and, and that's it's evolved. And Saban, to his credit, evolved with it. Some coaches wouldn't do that. He did. And I think the game – I mean, as much as I said that Ohio State-Alabama game did it, the one that really drove it home was when – is, is the game that I think we're going to get Monday night. And I was there when Deshaun Watson and Jalen Hurts went back and forth and Clemson beat Alabama in a thriller where Hunter Renfro catch, catches mm-hmm. the game-winning touchdown with two seconds left. And to me, that's kind of what we might get Monday night, where I think the first half they'll feel each other out a little bit. There'll be a couple big plays, but it'll be tight. And then in the fourth quarter, it could just get crazy with with drive after drive. And, and you know, whether it's a big turnover or a big stop, that can make a difference. And uh, that's that's kind of the playbook Ohio State needs to have with Trey Sermon, who's been phenomenal. And then on the other end, I mean, again, Alabama knocked out Notre Dame with 15 plays. Their first 15 plays, that was a clinic. And I know we're going to talk about it more here in a second, but that was a clinic by Steven Sarkeesian. Mm-hmm. And uh, that offense, they unreal how, how they got up and down and just called perfect play after perfect play. Bill Bender is with us this morning news. Uh, some college football at Bill Bender 92 is where you follow him on Twitter, sportingnews.com is where you read Bill. His great coverage of college football, some NFL. So do you like the hire uh, moving on from Coach Herman at Texas? Uh, 12 games over 500, four bowl wins but not, uh, air quote, vintage Texas, and they go get Sark. They couldn't get Urban, so they go settle for Sark, who I thought may just stick around and kind of be the heir apparent to Saban. That, that wasn't uh, 
what happened. He uh, wanted to be a head coach again, so Sark is off to, to Austin. What do, you, uh, what do you like about the hire? Do you have any questions about the hire? And, and where does Texas move on? What can they become? What's their ceiling look like? Well, you know, like you, I mean, uh, maybe surprised a little bit because I did think the same about the coach and waiting thing because what Sark has done the last two years at Alabama has been brilliant, and I know the talent he's working with. I get that. Um, Texas must have been very desperate to move on from Tom Herman, and that's what happened. And uh, Sark steps into a high-pressure job there. It's not going to be easy. I think recruiting is always the big challenge, and how do you block off Alabama and Ohio State and others from LSU from coming into your state and taking that talent. Um, people wanted to draw parallels to his previous coaching stops at Washington and USC. I, I don't. I'm not there on that because mm-hmm. you know our, my family, my father had battled alcoholism too. It's not easy, and I think he deserves credit instead of questions for that battle because what he's done the last two years has been great. The uh, consensus from from folks I've spent some time around is that you are at such an elite level. Uh, the pressure is is so intense to work for a guy like Saban. It's not the easiest, but it's probably one of the greatest work environments. So to have your ability to handle your personal life and and perform, I mean that that was not a easy position to take and thrive in because of the standard being so high so i'm not really worried and i credit steve sarkeesian for what he's been able to do with his personal life and then obviously it's shown up uh, when it comes to game planning coaching and developing so i don't worry about him off the field as much i just i just don't know if that's a great between that and auburn boosters are, are prevalent in a lot of places but Man, there's a lot of people you got to keep happy down in Austin and on the plains of Auburn. And, and you, you had successful coaches. I mean, Herman wasn't at Gus's level, but Herman wasn't doing bad things. You know, he wasn't beating Oklahoma. Right. And he wasn't beating TCU. And it's a different world now with everyone invading the state of Texas. TCU and Baylor and A&M are, are you know, A&M's always been there. But TCU and Baylor are higher level programs than they were 15 years ago so everyone's invading the state of texas even though you are the the flagship university so uh, i think he can do all right i just don't know you know short of a vince young repeat what's going to make texas fans happy you know you're right and um again the the expectations there are through the roof it's a tough job high pressure job and to your point i mean if you, you handle I think the Alabama offensive coordinator job is the highest pressure coordinator job in all of college football. Agree. And he's handled that well. I mean, Lane did it, and Lane had a nice, you know, Lane's done great for himself since. Um, Others have done well in that spot, too. So I do think he's very interesting as as a hire there. You wonder what's different than Herman. I think maybe it's the, the demeanor. Strange as it sounds. I mean, he fits into what they want. Their offense averaged over 40 a game this year. He's going to have some talent at the, that they have built on that side of the ball. But as we found out, you got to have some defense, too. And you're still chasing Oklahoma. And, boy, did Oklahoma look good in their bowl game. Mm-hmm. Bill Bender, a couple more minutes. Hail Varsity Radio. Bill, I want to shift to a little bit closer to home, and that's Nebraska. Uh, your takeaway from a national view on Nebraska's season this year. Nebraska voted to not go play in a bowl game as they finished 3-5. and five. What do you want to see from Scott Frost in year four? 
That's it's a building process, and I, I think again, you know, I know I use that line with you a lot, but it comes through the recruiting. I think building something that can win the Big Ten West is still possible, but everybody in the Big Ten, not just Nebraska, is dealing with this Ohio State monster. It's why Jim Harbaugh's kind of ran out of rope, so to speak, in Michigan, and there's a lot of conjecture about what might happen next there. But that's after year six. So if we're still having the same conversation in year six, it would probably be a problem. But I think there's time for Frost to build it how he wants to build it there right now. There were blips of success. I like how they competed against Ohio State in the opener. Mm -hmm. They're just not quite there yet from a talent standpoint. Let's uh, spend a minute. Does Urban stay out uh, another year? Does he get that $12 million from somebody in the NFL, what's your gut on on Urban Meyer? And twelve million's a lot, and uh, you know that's more than he was making at the college level. So I don't know. You know, these next couple days on the NFL coaching carousel are very interesting to me because it could involve Urban Meyer. You know, Jim Harbaugh's name's been thrown around, Dan Mullen's name's been thrown around, except Wild. And with this continued emergence of or convergence rather of the college and pro game. You're going to see more of this. You know, I was saying, I don't think he's not going anywhere, but Ryan Day would be mm-hmm. a fantastic NFL coach. Um, there's some other guys. Lincoln Riley would be a fa- fantastic NFL coach, but these guys are also very good at their jobs in college, and they're carrying some of the top programs in the country. Talk about Cincinnati for a minute. Uh, Zach Taylor gets another year. I thought I thought the Bengals competed and were in a lot of games with, with Joe Burrow, and Joe got – got lit up obviously but he's already you know back at it trying to rehab uh i like what cincinnati did uh are you surprised that they remained patient with zach for for another year um you know they fought at the end and that's what they want and it'll be interesting they're gonna need to it's go time next year because that division's not slowing down um when you're in a division with three playoff teams cleveland's turned a little bit of a corner Pittsburgh and Baltimore are really good, and uh, Burrow's going to need – they need to invest in an offensive line in the offseason. They've got some decent playmakers around them, and I think Joe, as long as he recovers, he's going to be great. So, yeah, I, I was a little surprised, but the way they fought at the end for him, maybe, maybe it's more about getting a couple players out of that locker room than it is the coach, who, who certainly some of these guys definitely bought into that message at the end. Bill Bender. Bill, biggest threat to your Packers, biggest threat to the Chiefs as we say goodbye. Uh, you know, I think the Bills are playing good ball in, in the AFC, and Josh Allen has been phenomenal. And on the other side, Tom Brady. And uh, that's just me. If I'm taking off the journalist hat and putting on my <laughs> fan hat, I'm just kind of looking at Tom Brady. And, man, like they're going to come off the Lambeau and wear us out, and that's not going to be fun. But, uh, boy, what a fun NFL season for the Packers. I do hope we get – Packers Chiefs because I think that'd be a fantastic Super Bowl and a great way to end what's been a absurdly weird college football and NFL season. Bill Bender. Bill, take care. Thanks for the time today. Hey, no problem. Thank you. Gotta love Bill Bender. Sporting news. Good to hear from him. He was with Feinbaum yesterday breaking down Ohio State and uh, Alabama. Good thoughts on uh, what's moving forward for the championship game on Monday. See if we get a uh, one of those entertaining back-and-forth type deals. Let's pray that Ohio State's full strength. Same with Alabama. And uh, you've got COVID concerns with uh, with Ohio State right now. 
Long sit down. Coming up with a guy I love talking to. And uh, was really good at Nebraska. Let's put a lot of guys into the league. Rick Kaczynski at Nebraska at Iowa. We'll get into the uh, the topic of just the climate in college football. With coaching, with transfer portal, with expectations. Coach Kaczynski, the next uh, hour. Right here on Hale Varsity. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, pre-teen Swedish boy. Back to it, it's Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Uh, we welcome in, love doing these Tuesday sessions with Kaz. Coach Kaczynski is with us. Rick Kaczynski, longtime assistant at Nebraska and Iowa. Kaz, Happy New Year, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. Happy New Year to you, Schmitty. Uh, uh, how was your holiday season? You know, it was, it was there. Uh, I was <laughs> kind of pleasantly surprised by... Ohio State showing against Clemson. I thought Ohio State could win. I didn't think they'd go woodshed. And, man, them Buckeyes were at a, a whole different level. And being a, a defensive line guru like you are, I think you, you probably smile a little bit about pressure on quarterbacks, didn't you? Absolutely. Uh, once again, no matter what the what you have on the perimeter, games won in the trenches. And, you know, not just running the football, but – uh, but also, uh, you know, protecting protecting the quarterback so he can get it to those skill guys, and and then obviously stopping the run and, and making Clemson one dimensional, and that's what that's what Ohio State did. Um, so uh, you know, obviously, he, <laughs> you, know, you, you don't need to uh, to give Ohio State a team with that type of talent more motivation. And uh, Coach Sweeney, he. Probably learned a, a hard lesson there, but uh, that, you know, two good football teams. But man, you know, Ohio State got after it. I, I had uh, I had picked Clemson myself, I, um, but uh, man, I, after I saw cause I saw Clemson in person mm-hmm. a couple times this year, and, and I've seen them practice uh, three times over the last two years. I mean, they're an impressive looking group. And, uh, man, I just didn't think Ohio State's defense would hold up against them. Obviously, I was wrong. But it was a very impressive win. They got after it. And, you know, I know um, Terry Coombs is, uh, I think he's listed as the coordinator over there. But let me tell you, Greg Madison, watching that defense, Greg Madison had a big hand, a big hand in calling that defense and uh, aligning that defense and, and game planning against, uh, against the Clemson Tigers. So, but, yeah, it was, it was good football, man. Rick Kaczynski is with us, uh, Hale Varsity Radio. You're a, you're a Notre Dame guy, and uh, you know what? Notre Dame hung around against Bama. Bama's just so loaded uh, with what they want to do offensively. But, Kaz, you're, a, you're an offensive line guy. How special is this Bama line group that you've seen? And you've seen a lot of good lines. Oh, they're great. And, and you know, Schmitty, I, I, I wish I had uh, the capability – and the access to, uh, to to having end zone and sideline copies sure. like I did when I was coaching. Um, you know, so you're watching it off TV, which is which is uh, <laughs> which is difficult to do. But uh, being part, I, I actually get a vote for the Joe Moore Award. Mm-hmm. Um, so Aaron Taylor spearheaded that. Another friend of mine, Chris Clevenger, and so you have a bunch of uh, former Notre Dame players, Notre Dame linemen, 
um, you know, we, we get, we get some access to some film and, and you get a bunch of clips of, of these teams that are nominated and, and they are impressive. So I did have an opportunity to watch a little bit more than TV copies and, you know, they are, they're great. They're a physical, uh, great looking team, uh, up front that, that, that play together. And it, it's just, it, it's just, it's really great to see that. Uh, you got a great running back, and those guys feed off each other. I mean, you just see the juice they play with. You see the enjoyment they play with. And, you know, it, it's not a whole lot of fun. You know, football is not a whole lot of fun, especially being an offensive lineman. You know, what's, what's fun is when a guy like Najee Harris comes back and congratulates every single one of you after a play. You know, what you see Alabama's O-line running down the field throwing blocks on the second and third level. I mean, it's just, it's just so, so impressive. Um, and that's obviously Coach, Coach Saban uh, in, in, in his process and his development and his expectations. And, I mean, it's just they're so competitive. You watch these guys, it almost looks like they're, they're competing amongst one another on, on game day. So, uh, yeah, as a, as a former trench guy, yeah, yeah, you absolutely love that. But if I if I may add, you, you know, obviously Notre Dame's got some work on the perimeter. They're not they're not there yet. But Alabama and Notre Dame, there's not much different in the trenches. Notre Dame has caught up in the trenches from the last college playoff and the last national championship in 2012. So I want to give those guys a little mm-hmm. bit of credit, not just because it's my alma mater, but they they've come a long way, and that's that's a that's a unit I've seen in person twice this year. Had the privilege of doing that, so uh, they've they've come they've come a long long way. So so I know it didn't come out on top for the Irish, but uh, once again, I thought it was a pretty good football game for a while. You know, I thought Notre Dame was was pretty physical, and, and not a lot of teams have matched uh, that Bama physicality. Rick Kaczynski is with us uh, on Hale Varsity Radio, assistant at Nebraska, assistant at Iowa, and I uh, love his take on college football. Kaz, I want to get into just the uh, the topic of, of expectations, and, and you – Lived it as a player at Notre Dame. You, you, you were part of it in Lincoln. You were part of it in Iowa City. And uh, the internal expectations, the fan expectations, and I look at, at how Nebraska ended their season and the, the vote to, to not go to a bowl game. And, and then, you know, we kind of springboard into year four. And, and this COVID year has been kind of a bleep show for everybody. And uh, people have had to navigate that said uh, I, I I would have enjoyed selfishly seeing Nebraska play another football game, and it just didn't sound like everybody was on the same page vote wise to to go forward. But as as you've seen Nebraska this year, and we hear Coach Frost talk about you know how close they are, uh, and I look at the schedule in 2021. What was life like in the fishbowl? Uh, as uh, a high-profile position coach, not only at Iowa, not only in Lincoln, but just at your experience, how do you, how do you guys, as a coach, cope with that? Cope with the noise? Well, well, you know, anytime you're, no matter what you're doing, coach, player, you know, business, you you want to be associated with the best. Mm-hmm. And when you're associated with the best, you, you have those you have those expectations. You know, I, I with with you know with expectations there 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 comes responsibility 
and you want that responsibility. You you want to matter. Mm-hmm. And everywhere that I have been, I've always looked at, you know, how important it is to this institution. You never want to be somewhere. And, you know, when I was coming up the ranks, um, you know, I, I learned that lesson coming up the what up, up the ranks and working at a couple different places where football wasn't important. I don't care what level you were on. I went to um, all boys Catholic high school in Western Pennsylvania, man. Football was important. It was important to the school, was important to the area, was important to the state. I had the privilege of going to Notre Dame. Obviously speaks for itself. Um, South Carolina, SEC, Coach Holtz. Coach Holtz made football important to the state of South Carolina for Gamecock fans. He made it important to those kids. Um, so I, I was very fortunate and then have Iowa but I, and then Nebraska. Mm-hmm. But I had a couple places at the Division One AA uh, level where it wasn't important. And, I mean, hell, I almost took a job with the ATF. I mean, I, I was like, hey, if this is what it is, I'm getting the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as a coach, it's what you sign up for, right? You're paid handsomely. I wish I was paid as handsomely as coaches are now. Um, but even then, you know, I was paid handsomely for my for what I did. Um, but that's what you sign up for, right? And you really can't listen to the you can't listen to the noise. You know, you do your job. You do the best that uh, you do it to the best of your ability. But ultimately, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks except the players that you coach. You look at the kids at those age, they can see right through you, um, you know, but they know whether you're fake, right. phony, real, have your best interest or their best interest. Um, now, they might not like you all the time. It's just like being a parent. And like I used to tell, I'm, I don't care who likes me when, I, when they're 20 years old. I want them to like me when they're 40 years old and 50 years old. And I, and, I, and I think I have those relationships with the guys I coached. But, you know, if you're going to do this, if you're, whether it's business, playing, coaching, why wouldn't you want to be in the best? And when you're at the best, you're going to be in that fishbowl. So, you know, you sign up for it. That's where you want to be because there is no fishbowl at places where football isn't important. Rick Kaczynski's with us on Hale Varsity. You look at the coaching carousel season, and I look at the the, the decision Auburn made on Gus Malzahn. Gus Gus did pretty well, pretty good, but it's 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 a change, right? And and Auburn was was winning. Uh, I look at Texas and Coach Herman, and I look at where Herman's been and, and how successful he was, and and then the jump to, to Texas, and you know Texas wasn't wasn't bad, but they weren't they weren't great, and now they've made a move and in Sark. Uh, did phenomenal work uh, under under Saban. wasn't bad at SC. wasn't bad at Washington. So I, I'm interested in your take on programs moving on from from a a situation where they were winning, but they weren't winning mm-hmm. enough for certain people. Yeah, I, I think you know, really, uh, expectations are on, on, on they're, they're unrealistic everywhere, pretty much, with with the exception of Alabama. I mean, even down here right now, Coach Weenie, he's taking he's heat. Crushed. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. Un- Unbelievable! You know they got blown out in the last two playoff games, and you know somebody I was talking to somebody this morning about Notre Dame, you know not doing well in big games, and I said once again, how are we defining big games? The ones you lose, you know, was the Clemson a big game? You know, was Michigan a year ago a big game? You know, and it, it's mm-hmm. the same way at Nebraska. 
you know, I'm just looking at my time there. Um, you know, we won a lot of football games, and but the only you know we we won some won some big games, but um, you know it was only talked about how we lost the big games, right? And it's kind of getting that way everywhere, everywhere in college football. Um, even down here in South Carolina, you look at Ray Tanner, who was a coach, baseball coach, not a football coach. When he was talked, when they were looking for a coach, when they released Coach Mustamp of his duties, mm-hmm. he said, "Hey, we play for championships here." No, you don't. You don't. They have one championship in 1968 when they were part of the ACC. Uh, and I think when you look at football. There is no Bob Devaney's. Um, you know, when I was at when I was at Notre Dame, Dick Rosenthal, he was a basketball player that held the record for the most fouls of any Notre Dame player. So even though he was a basketball player, he was a physical dude mm-hmm. that got in the got in the mix. And, and I think when you look at ADs, you know, you, you got administrators, all right, and that's fine. That's fine, but you know I think what's 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 still in college football a little bit in this turnover is you have administrators in there, which is fine. I think you, it's like being a president. You know, you want to surround yourself with people that know, that understand the climate, right? That understand what it takes. More with Coach Cannes coming up. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. More with uh, former Nebraska assistant Rick Kaczynski. Coach Osborne knew. He never was going to say it, but Coach Osborne knew, man. Football, uh, football was the ship. Uh, football was the front porch of the university of the state. Football needs to go to make everything else be successful. Uh, and and that is that is at a lot of places. But these expectations, they're just unrealistic. You look at a place like Texas. Where they, I think they've had five double-digit uh, win seasons in the last 40 years, but yet somehow their fans think that they're owed national championships and should be playing for a national championship every year. That's just not it. And if you look at college football, I think it was the University of Florida in '96 was the last first-time national champion. So when you have that, you know, man, it. <laughs> I think these expectations are pretty unrealistic. So if you look at it, Smitty, since 90, 97 on, everybody who's won a national championship has won a previous national championship. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I don't know how that changes. You know, the rich keep getting richer. You look at the playoffs right now, you got the same three, three teams in it almost every year. Um, man, you know, uh, you lost the regionalism in recruiting. Yeah, and, and I think that's really affected college football in a in a negative way. Um, you, you look at the bowls, you look at all that stuff, and I know the question was about expectations, mm-hmm. but I, I, there isn't a program in the country that doesn't have unrealistic expectations, and a lot of that comes also with the money these coaches are are paid. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it, you, you make yourself a lot fireable when you make that kind of dough, but, but also, man, it hurts the players. You look at the Davis twins recruited by, by, by myself and, and Bo, mm-hmm. I mean, those guys had what, you know, three, four D coordinators, four position coaches. Don't tell me you can develop guys. I mean, there's a reason why Kirk has had the success. Mm-hmm. They develop guys. You look, you know, there's a reason why they continue to put NFL guys in. They develop. You look at Matt Campbell. Nobody has left his staff. Right? You want to keep your staff together, 
you want to keep the head coach there because it's a it's about development, man. It's I don't you know if I had a new boss every year at my job, there's mm-hmm. no way in hell I I one I'd stay here, or two we'd be we'd be successful. So um, you know I just think these expectations are, they're just absolutely absolutely ridiculous. I would love for these ads to just stand up and say, hey, this is my guy. I'm going to go down with him. I'm going to give him everything he absolutely needs. And then if we go down, we go down doing it our way, but we're going down together, man. And then and then you go from there. But you know what? ADs are making a lot of money now. So what are they going to do? They get heat from the boosters and going to put somebody else's head on the chopping block. So so I think, you know, there's just a, there's obviously a lot of revenue in, in college football these days and, you know, people like money, and people don't want to lose those high-profile, pro- high-paying jobs. So, uh, you know, when, uh, you know, Joe Booster calls and doesn't think Gus Mel's on, uh, you know, thinks he should be beating Alabama, you know, that's, that's when guys get replaced. But to me, Auburn just took a step back mm-hmm. five years, if you ask me. That's, that's my opinion. You know, you bring in a guy from Boise, because nobody else wanted that job. Well, Gus, Gus was beating Saban. Is <laughs> the thing, right? I mean, he he was doing the be- he's doing as, as as good as anybody against Saban. I mean, he was yeah. two and four he beat and him six three times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got a coach that that beat Alabama three times, played in the national championship. I mean, you know, it's it, it's really unbelievable, and you're playing in the the SEC West. Which every conference was down this year. Every, I mean, you look at the Big Ten. The Big Ten stinks this year. It's a terrible conference. But you look at, you know, so is the SEC. I think every conference is down this year. You know, you you had the uh, you know the cream of the crop rising mm-hmm. and staying at the top in each, in each conference this year, and that's it. And 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 that's not good for for college. That's not good for college football. But when you look at the West. What Gus Malzahn has had to play against, man, the West been the SEC West, man, that, that's that's been a gauntlet. Mm. So uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand, I don't understand that part of it. But you know, as, as a coach, um, you you want to be a part of programs with expectations, mm-hmm. but you also understand that hey, the expectations are are on, you, you really don't think about them to be honest sure. with you. You think about them. Um, Pretty much after they get rid of you, and then you, you know, and you have a couple beers with your buddies and talk about how unrealistic uh, <laughs> those expectations are. But until then, you're just focused on the job and doing what you can to do, you know, to win. And you know, every program is, unless you're Alabama, it's fragile, man. I mean, right now, I mean, Clemson's got Clemson's got holes, man. Clemson has holes, right? And people seen that, and they're going to lose Lawrence. And, you know, they lose the line. I mean, they lost Stolsky, man. Those linebackers look like me. Their second level is not impressive. Mm. You know, they got some holes to fill, man. You know, and uh, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just amazing, these expectations. But that, that's part of it, man. You know, you got the money, you got the TV, you got everything else that comes with being a coach. That's part of it. You can't, you can't have all the great without some of the bad. And that, that's some of the bad, but. When you're in it, you don't worry about that stuff. You're just trying to do the task at hand. Rick Kaczynski is with us. Hail Varsity Radio. Kaz, I'll get you out on this. And guys you know well, uh, Coach Harbaugh, Coach Urban Meyer, uh, you hear their names uh, talked about for the NFL. Uh, that jump from college to the NFL 
it's it's worked out for some. Uh, others are 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 just college guys, and then you look at Pete Carroll, and and he was good at SC, and he was really good. He's been really good in Seattle. So, do you have a gut or a feel at all with with Jim in Michigan and and Urban? And um, I know Texas uh, wanted him. He didn't go down there, and uh, you're hearing his name for for maybe some openings or his name's at least being floated out there. Yeah, well, I think Urban's smart. He didn't want to deal with that Texas stuff. I mean, I quite frankly, I mean, I, I you know, yeah, same thing. I mean, Urban's Urban's the best coach in, in college football. Him and him and Coach Saban, but neither, neither one of those obviously they they've both had opportunities to go there. There's a reason they're not going to Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but obviously, when you have a guy like Harbaugh. I think he is an NFL guy. And once again, you look, that's another program. Talk about expectations. Yeah. Michigan, same thing. You know, it's, it's unrealistic, you know, especially when you look at the amount of players that you have in state. It's just unrealistic. But both those guys are great coaches, and all coaches can adjust. You know, I've heard mm-hmm. people say, well, Urban's this, he's hard, and he's a, well, yeah, he, of course, he's disciplined. He's a, he demands discipline. Um, and I think I, Urban will adjust. Great coaches adjust. I wasn't the same coach in 2004 that I was in 2014. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to adjust. And, and that's exactly what those guys would do. So I have absolutely no doubt that, they, that both of them would have success. Harbaugh has already had success. Mm-hmm. But absolutely. And I think, too, you know, I think you're going to see a lot more college coaches jump into the NFL because of – the re- the transfer portal, it's just awful. It's awful. I mean, what do you got? Nine hundred guys, almost a thousand guys. I think in the transfer portal. Um, I mean, it's just it's just it's just what you coach a guy hard and he puts his name in the transfer portal and then goes does a uh, you know article about how mean the coaches. I mean, coaches are tired of that stuff, man. I mean, I, I think I got a pretty decent pulse and still talk to a lot of guys. Coaches are tired of this type of stuff, man. And you don't have to deal with that in the NFL. I think you're going to see a lot of guys jumping. More from Rick Kaczynski next. Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. A few more moments with Rick Kaczynski. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. That NFL coaching transition. College guys jump into the league, potentially, or at least thinking about it. And, you know, when I had my NFL opportunity, part of the reason I didn't want to go to the NFL, Smitty, was because I, I, I thought I didn't want to deal with prima donnas. You know, that stuff is, you know, you know at least up there, it's a job. Guys mm-hmm. are fighting for a living. Man, they are pros, professionals, pros. You know, college, this stuff here, man, it's, it's become unionized. It's it's a scary proposition now, man. This college football has in twenty twenty and twenty twenty one has become a way, way more difficult job than it's been in the last five, ten, fifteen, twenty years because of uh because of everything that's going on with, with recruiting, transfer portals, you know, uh turnover of coaches. It's just uh I think it's really taken away from the game. I love college football, but, man, I think something's got to give here. Man, we need to hit the reset button. Last side, Kaz. Uh, Bo, does he sit out this year? Do you think he takes another coordinator gig at NFL? Um, what do you think? He's already, he's already 
I know this for he's already turned down two coordinator gigs. It's got to be the right gig. Um, and you know he he wasn't fired. You know I'm I'm sure, you know people say I'm crazy. You know I was I, I talked to him two three times a week, uh, text him. It just you know it, Ed has a completely different philosophy and and you know sometimes things just don't marry up. Mm-hmm. And all eleven guys got to be tied in. And if those front four aren't tied into the back seven, you got you got you got no chance. And uh, you know, you, and and Bo obviously respects the seat that that Ed was in. Sure. And Bo wasn't going to put Ed in that position to to do in something that he didn't believe in, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's a mutual respect there. Um, they finished the season strong. I mean, they had 48 guys, right? 48 guys, scholarship guys, in that last game. So, and like everything else, coaches don't forget how to coach. And coaches, no, it's not what the fans think. And obviously, UNF college football love the fans, all that stuff. But coaches know all the stuff, all the underlying things, all the situations that coaches deal with. Bo didn't all of a sudden become a bad defensive coach. And mm-hmm. coaches on every level know that. I already know he's had an NFL offer and two college offers, and uh, he's going to take the right offer. I-, I can't imagine that. That's the thing. He put himself in position where he has options, mm-hmm. so so it's a it's a good thing. But as far as him sitting this one out or not, I'm not quite sure yet. I hadn't talked to him yeah. in about a week. <laughs> so, Rick. so, but he's still a uh, he, he's still a, he's still a wanted man and respected coach on uh, on all levels. Love that uh, info. Rick Kaczynski's with us. Kaz, you be good. We'll we'll do this again. We'll get into some NFL next time. How's that sound? Sounds like a plan. I better make sure I watch them. Great stuff from Rick Kaczynski there. Chris had to step out. He's getting ready to go to Southeast for that North Star Southeast game. We're going to carry that here on ESPN Lincoln at 7.20 tonight is when the pregame will start. Good show today. Uh, Mitch Sherman, we rescheduled him for tomorrow. He'll be on as well as uh, Mike Babcock and Mike Shuhart as well as... Mitch, no, I already said Mitch Sherman. Uh, Brad Edwards filling out tomorrow's roster. Good show today. You want to catch the podcast up on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Hail Varsity Radio. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Uh, I'm Damon Barr at Damon Barr on Twitter, as Chris loves to say, with two R's. Uh, Thanks for listening. Talk to you tomorrow.